Hey, just so you know, this is a public service announcement for all you out there. Um, Wednesday happens to be Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day. So Ash Wednesday, that's when people give up things. And, uh, you know, so in our household, we're giving up chocolate. So there'll be no chocolate in our house on Valentine's Day. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. How many know Valentine's Day requires chocolate? Can I get a witness on that one? And uh, even if you have to get it for yourself. Um, we, we like to mix chocolate and, uh, and, uh, and fruit because it is a vegetarian type thing, right? Beans and fruit, it's just beautiful. And, uh, but hey, if you have your Bibles, turn with me please to Matthew uh, chapter 5. So last week we began a series called uh, Made by Following. And it's rooted in an idea that we find in Mark chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, where it says this, Jesus said to them, uh, follow me and I will make you. Everybody say, make you. Now, this is not, I will force you, but I will help make you become. How many know you are in the process of becoming something? You're not there yet. And Jesus is like, I want to I help make you become fishers of men. And it says, immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And we're just reflecting on the idea that, you know what, that, that part of the process that God uses to transform our life is by following Him. It's not just a decision that we're called to make, it's actually a process for uh, transformation. And we began talking last week about the importance of, of aligning our lives with Christ because it is the following, it is following Jesus that makes us. Well, today I want to talk about changing our mindsets. How many know change is hard? Okay, three of us. How many know change can be hard? How many of you like change? How many like time changes? Like, no, whose crazy idea was that? Right? Like, we don't like change is hard. Additionally, changing a mindset is ridiculously hard. Okay. How many of you would be honest this morning and say, there are moments when you're a little stubborn? Come on now. Where's my stubborn people? How many sitting next to somebody who's stubborn? Because they're like, I'm not raising my hand. <laughs> right? Right? You, you know what stubbornness is like? You, you know that, that it's just like going, no. And, and you've met people. This may not be you, but it might be someone sitting next to you. They're like, it's got to be done this way. Like any way that's not this way is not the right way. Can I get a witness on this? Like there's a right way to fold laundry. And if you don't fold it like that, the clothes don't work and they're not really clean. Right? Like if it's not done the right way when it comes to like cleaning the kitchen, it has to be done the right way. Because if it's not, if you don't wash and rinse and you get in the right order, Okay, there's probably a, an, a, an appropriate order of washing, rinsing, and drying, but, but you know what I mean, like if it's not done the right way. Some of you, you are so stubborn, and I say, no, not you, the person sitting next to you, that even if someone offers to help do something, you're like going, no, because they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it right. They're not going to do it, and the right way is my way, right? Now, just so you know, this is part of our mindset, the way... We see things. Some of you, you go through life and, and, and you have a, a mindset and, and trying to change it is hard. Like change is hard, but changing mindsets is really, really hard. 
Well, this morning as we talk about this idea of changing our mindset, you see, one of the things Jesus wants to do for you and for me is actually to change the way we, we think, the way we see, the way we respond. Now, all of these things are connected to the idea of mindset. Uh, one person wrote that, uh, that, that what a mindset is, is it is a set of beliefs that shapes how you make sense of the world and yourself. It influences how you think, feel, and behave in any given situation. And, and how we know we all have a certain mindset. And it's shaped by the experiences we've been through. You know, it was, uh, some of us, we, you know, you've experienced very difficult days and, and it, it, it just continues to intrude into your present. You're like going, I don't do this because this happened to me in my past. And, and, and you get a mindset and it affects the way you see the world. It affects the way you see yourself. It affects the way you think, the way you feel, the way you act. One of the things that I've learned as I've gone through life is, is that as, as beings, we don't just experience events, we interpret them. That, that because of what we've gone through, that, 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 that we, we go through something and it's more than just the event, it, it, it all of a sudden, sometimes it, it gets shaped and it gets interpreted. And I like to remind people, we don't just experience events, we interpret them. And we all know what this is like. Have you ever had someone say something to you and you heard more than just what they said? And all of a sudden you began to say, oh my goodness, there, there's this, or, or maybe they don't like me. Why would they say that? Maybe, maybe they're against me. And that's all about our mindset. And everybody has a mindset. It affects our perceptions, how we see. It affects our assumptions, what we presume, as well as our expectations, what we expect. Now, the Apostle Paul would write to the Roman church and say these words, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And one of the things that Paul is saying is, guys, hey, hey, listen, you live in a world filled with mindsets. And, and, and there, there is within culture a push for you to adopt and adapt to a cultural or a contextual mindset. Paul refers to them as the thinkings that are the pattern of this world. It, it's how we do it. How, how many recognize that our world does things a certain way? There are certain values, certain expectations, and it, it's a mindset that tries to be pushed. And Paul's like, guys, you have to actually resist that because if, if that's how you think, you're not going to act and live any differently than the world you're in. And then he makes this statement, which I think is really amazing, because he says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And what Paul recognizes is this, is that when we begin to change our thinking, our mindsets... It begins to change the way we live. And this is one of the reasons why following Jesus is so important. Because what Jesus does as we follow him is one of the things he does is he confronts our thinking. He confronts our mindset. So the big idea we're going to think around this morning is simply this, that Jesus challenges our mindset to change the trajectory of our lives. How many recognize that your life is on a trajectory? 
Like it is moving in a given direction. And that given direction is impacted by the way you think. It, it, it is impacted the, the way you perceive the world around you, the way you see yourself. And what Jesus says is, he, listen, I, I want to challenge your mindset because ultimately what I want to do is I want to change the trajectory of your life. So we're going to look in Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 43 through 48, but, but this is an amazing, not just an amazing little passage, it's within a larger um, teaching that Jesus is giving to his followers. Uh, we know it as the Sermon on the Mount. And if you're familiar with the Sermon on the Mount, you'll, you'll find out that what Jesus does is he, he challenges the, the, the conventional thinking and the conventional wisdom of the day. So he'll begin with eight statements, which we know them as Beatitudes. And he says, guys, if you want to experience a life of flourishing, if you want to experience the life you were created for, this is the path. And he lays out this beautiful path. He says things like this. You know who's blessed in this world? Do you know who finds flourishing and happiness and fullness? They're the poor in spirit. And in our mindset and our thinking, Whoever puts poverty and flourishing together? I don't know about you, but I usually don't overlap those things. Or, or, or how about, uh, you know, blessed are those who, who mourn? Like going, ah, uh, no, I, I thought the happy life was a celebration life and not actually wrestling with loss. Jesus begins to upend the whole thing. He says, guys, the, the mindset that you need to have to experience flourishing is far different than, than what you're familiar with. And so he does this wonderful sermon that's called the Sermon on the Mount. And he highlights this path to flourishing. And, and not only that, he, he begins to, to confront the expectations of the people at the time. So Jesus is going to say things like this. Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, and teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven unless your righteousness surpasses. Now, now for us, we're, we're a little tainted in our thinking because when we hear the word Pharisee, we connect it often with the idea of hypocrisy. How many of you, if, if someone came up to you and said, you know what, man, you remind me of the Pharisees. How many of you would be like going, dude, man, thanks, that feels so good. Instead, you'd be saying, like, no, you're a jerk. What do you mean? Because in our context, Pharisee means one who's often two-faced, saying one thing, doing something different. It's about a projection of an image. But when Jesus is saying these things, being, being identified with the Pharisees was not something derogatory at all. It was, it was actually an incredible honor. Because in Jesus' time and in his day, the Pharisees were the ones that were, were, were sought to be emulated. They, they were the ones who, who took seriously God's word. They, they were ones who sought to align their lives with Jesus' teaching. And, and really, Pharisee was this high bar that if you could just be like a Pharisee, then you'd be really good. Then you'd be in the right place. And Jesus goes on to say, hey guys, listen. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, and the teachers of the law, you're actually not going to participate in the kingdom of heaven. And it was kind of this jarring statement. 
And what Jesus does from there is he begins to unpack these ideas that says, you know what, there's a way that you think is right, but I'm going to show you it's, you need to think different. You're going to recognize, he's going to say, listen, there's a context that you've grown up in. There's expectations. There's a way you think the world works when it comes to rightness and goodness. But I'm going to show you it's actually something far greater than just that. And so he challenges his followers to think differently. And this is more than just ideas. This is mindset. And so this is what it says. We'll begin at verse 43. It says, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be like the children of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Okay, so this is what I find this an amazing passage. And again, this is, this is actually the culmination of, of everything that he's been saying from verse 21, because he's going to use this, this, this common frame, you've heard it said, but I tell you. And what Jesus is doing is he's, he's challenging the status quo, the, 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 the what was accepted, the, the accepted conventional mindset. And what Jesus is doing is he's actually quoting, because the first part of this, you know, you, you have heard it said, love your neighbor. It is part of this idea that, that percolates out of the Old Testament, out of the, out of the Torah, out of the law. But the way the love your neighbor got interpreted was as the neighbor is the person who is close to you and like you. The person who's close to you and the person who is like you. And so the phrase got added on. So the idea was, you know, hey, you love your neighbor, but, but you, you hate your enemy or you, you create distance between. You recognize the haves in a sense and the have-nots, the good and, and the bad. But Jesus says, but I tell you, Love your enemy. You've heard it said, but I tell you. What Jesus is doing is he is challenging the mindset of his followers and telling them you need to be a people that are actually expanding your circle because neighbors do not only include the people like you, but also the people against you. Now, in this context, there's, there's an enemy. We, we hear, you know, you love your neighbor, hate your enemy. In Jesus' time, there was actually a very clear enemy. And do you know who the enemy was? It was the Romans. They were the Romans. You see, 
Rome had, 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 had taken over. They, they were considered oppressors. They, they, they exercised their, their domination and their dominion over conquered peoples by coming up with laws that were ridiculously inconvenient. So Rome actually had a law that what the, the government can do is they could actually conscript labor at the whim of an individual. For example, the Roman government, or a representative of the Roman government, which would include even the soldiers, could come up to you and say, you need to carry this. And they would be required by law to carry the thing that they were told to carry up to a certain distance. They didn't have a choice. If they didn't do it, they would be subject to the punishment that would come along with it. A beating, violence, potentially death. How many of you like to have your services conscripted? You have to do this. How many think sometimes you can get a little resentful about it? Just so you know, this happens in the gospel story. If you remember, Jesus is carrying his cross. And as he was under the weight of it and, and, and the, the, the beating and the scourging that he endured, they saw a man whose name is Simon of Cyrene, and the soldier says to him, pick up the cross. And it says that he carried the cross. He was required to do it by law. This is why if you read a little bit earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus will say this, hey, guys, listen, if someone forces you to go one mile, go two. Because the first mile is the mile of obligation. The second mile is the mile of serving or the, the, the mile of choice. And, and, and it's really interesting because Jesus is like going, listen, you have heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. And it were the Romans. They, they were the real expression of, uh, of an oppressive people. Yet Jesus says, these people are to be objects of, my, of our love rather than our wrath. And what Jesus is doing is he's challenging the status quo. And I think this is important because as we follow Jesus, this is what you need to understand in, in your journey in following Jesus. He challenges our mindset. I, I, I've learned this. I've been following Jesus for a few years. And you know what I have found out? Jesus doesn't always agree with Dave. Can you believe that? You're like, he's so smart. He's so, like, his thinking is just brilliant, at least in my estimation. I'm just teasing. But he goes, no, you know what? Your thinking's wrong. And you know what, you know what concerns me many times is, is we create a character, caricature of Jesus that he thinks just like us. Therefore, if it's the way I think, then it must be the way Jesus thinks, and so it's Okay. But what Jesus does is he actually challenges our mindsets. He challenges the way we, we think and the way we perceive the world. He challenges the status quo because this is what he knows. Good enough isn't good enough. 
And so he goes on. And so not only does Jesus challenge the status quo, but he points toward a higher goal. And he challenges his followers to reflect the character and compassion of their heavenly father. And I love this. You know, you've heard it said, but, but what I want you to do is I want you to love your enemy. I want, to pray, I want you to pray for those who persecute you that you might be like the children of your father in heaven who allows the sun to rise and the rain to fall. How many recognize that rain and warmth are essential for life, for, for, for growing, for living? And God gives it all. Jesus, through this, says, guys, I want you to be like the Father. I want your mindset to reflect that, you know what, there's a grace, there's a blessing that flows not only to your life, but there's a blessing and a goodness that has flowed to you, and it needs to flow, and it needs to impact others, even those who are opposed to God and his own purposes. As he pushes back, Jesus, he, he begins to say, guys, listen, your, your mindset is more like the people around you than like your Father in heaven. He, he says, hey, listen, if you only greet those who are like you, how are you any different than the pagans? If you, only, if you only hang around the people that are like you, how are you any different than the tax collectors? How many know that if you're the, the, one of the benefits of being a friend of a tax collector is sometimes the tax collector, because he likes you, can be nice to you? Or that's the hope. But whether they like you or not is, is irrelevant. Whether they're good to you or not, he says, listen, you, you need to be the kind of person. And, and he sets the standard so high. And then you thought, you thought that the standard of the Pharisees and teachers of the law was too high. Then Jesus, said this, Jesus says this to his followers, guys, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And, and, and this idea of perfection, is more than just, you know, not doing something wrong. The, the idea of that perfection there is, is fullness, completion, uh, maturity. That, you know what, there, there should be a maturity in your life that reflects your Father in heaven rather than just the cultures and customs of the people around you. How do you know that when you're a kid, you have to teach, you know, you're taught to, to be kind to people who are not like you? And maybe you don't like them. And Jesus is like, guys, listen, you need to become mature. And so Jesus points his followers to, to he not only challenges the status quo, but he points toward a higher, uh, higher goal. And not only does this, but he also models a better way. Jesus doesn't just tell his followers to think differently. He also shows them how it is lived out in daily living. Now, I have learned a truism. This is, what, this is a truism that I, I discovered life. It's, you're going to go, it's the brilliance again, I can tell. Some of you are going to go, dude, this is like so basic. This, this is the truism I've come to know. You ready for it? People can't see what they can't see. How many, how many, like if you're taking notes, that's the one you're writing down. That is so deep. People can't see what they can't see. 
I remember as, as a church, as we were um, trying to figure out what to do with some of our, our seating and space, uh, this back middle section used to be a classroom. And I remember a few years after I had been here, so I've been here 21, approaching 21 years. Like I'm, I was going to say something, but I stopped. I used my filter. It was beautiful. That was good. Thank you. Thank you. I was going to get so off topic. Anyways. There was this classroom there, and, and um, I remember talking with some, some people outside the church, and, like going, and they're like going, hey, you know what you could do? You could actually remove this classroom and then change the shape of the room. And I'm like going, dude, that is brilliant. I can see it. And I remember going, guys, this is what we should do. Here's an idea. We can take out this classroom and we can, we can, and there were some people who could see it and other people who couldn't see it. And I remember after we made the change, and so this is a number of years ago, someone came up to me, I, re I remember this, because they were like going, you know what? I couldn't see it before, but now I can see it because they couldn't see what they couldn't see. I think sometimes Jesus says this to us. He goes, you know what? It's time to change your mindset. This is what your mindset needs to be like. And we're like going, I'm not sure how that looks because I can't see it. I can't imagine that. And so what Jesus does is he demonstrates for us what the right mindset is. They're not just the exchange of ideas, but he begins to model it. So I, I, I love this because um, the, the, the whole idea of the incarnation, that Jesus came in the flesh, which to me is important because sometimes in life we need things fleshed out for us, for us to see it, so then we can see it. And so Jesus became the model of what the right mindset looks like. And so what he ends up doing, he begins to demonstrate to us what loving your neighbor looks like, as well as this idea of even praying for your enemies. So if you, if you follow Jesus' example, and this is why we read the stories of the Bible, uh, of the New Testament, because we look at Jesus and what is he doing? He, he's finding people who are kind of on the margins, on the outside, people who, who don't have righteousness, people like, I don't know, tax collectors, prostitutes, lepers. And he begins to demonstrate love. He heals he invites, he forgives. Even when it came to the Romans, there's one time where a Roman centurion comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I need you to do something. I've had all the doctors. We've tried the best that our culture has to try and make my child better, and nothing has worked. Jesus, could you just do something? And Jesus says, your child is healed. But, but he's the enemy. That doesn't matter. The child is healed. 
even as he goes to Calvary, even after people have, have shouted, crucify, crucify, we want nothing to do with you. Kill him. We would rather have a criminal than him as Christ. We would rather have victory by overthrowing, by insurrection, than we would by someone who, who's come to suffer. And they beat him, and they scourge him, and they spit on him, and they mock him. And as he travels to the cross, he prays the prayer, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And he begins to model for us what the proper and what the right mindset is. And he poured out warmth and blessing on the just and the unjust. See, see this is why we follow Jesus. Because what Jesus wants to do is he wants to change, he challenges our mindset to change the trajectory of our lives. And we are made by following Him, by following His example, by, by looking to Him. So how does our mindset change? How do we change our mindset? I want to note three things. Firstly, we need to spend time with Jesus. I, I can't say enough that for us to begin to change the way we think, the way we interact, the way we understand the world we're a part of, we actually have to interact with our Savior. We have to interact with His Word. We, we need to be reading it because part of what I love about the Gospels is there's these wonderful stories. He's not just telling us what to do, but he's living a life that demonstrates how to do it. And stories invite us to be a part of the story. Like the story of the Good Samaritan, I love it because Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan and, and there's, there's a man that's hurt and people who walk by, yet one acts for the benefit of the, of the harm. And we're invited to understand where do we fit in this story. Sometimes we feel like the one that's been beaten on the road. There are other times where, you know what, we can recognize in our own lives, our own, we see the hurt and we say, you know what, I'm just too busy, I don't have time for that, and we go to the other side of the road. Yet as we wrestle with Jesus, as we wrestle, as we, as we, as we interact with the stories, it gives us the opportunity to begin to see ourselves within them. That we might be changed, that we might begin to reflect His mindset. And so we have to spend time with Jesus. We have to spend time in His Word. We need to spend time in His presence because as we do, the Holy Spirit begins to redirect us and, and to teach us and to challenge us. We also need to spend time with Jesus. Because how many know Jesus is still at work in our lives? And in His people. So let me tell you why I think it's so important that every one of us are a part of a church. Because the Spirit of God indwells every believer. That Spirit is, is referred to in some places as the Spirit of Jesus. Did you know that there, is a, that there is an aspect of God's presence in each one of us? And sometimes we're trying to figure out how do we get through this? How do we adjust our mindset? And God says, listen, I brought people into your life to walk with you so that you can actually reflect the mindset God desires. So we need to spend time with Jesus. Secondly, we have to develop a discipline of reflection. How many recognize we live in a hurry-up culture? 
Some of you are going, it's noon. Hurry up, pastor. Get to the end. <laughs> Hurry up. Right? Come on. I got time. Hurry it up. Hurry it up. Some of you, when you drive, you are a part of that hurry up culture. You're on someone's tail and you're like pr- trying to apply some pressure to get them to move a little bit faster. Hurry up. Hurry up. Do you, know, you want to know something? Hurry up culture does not make deep disciples. Can I get a witness on this one? <coughs> Hurry up does not make deep disciples. And if we are going to be the people God is calling us to be, we have to learn and we have to discipline ourselves to slow down even when the world is speeding up. And part of that is learning to, to, to reflect. To, to, to begin to reflect, to, to begin to think about, to, to wrestle with ideas. Part of it is learning to reflect from heaven's perspective. This is what I know. Everybody right now is in the midst of some context. Things might be going well in your context. Some of you, you are dealing with some difficult context. Some of you, you've received reports that, are, that, are, that have been troublesome. Some of you have made decisions that have created hurt, and we're all within a context. And part of what's gotten us there is our mindset. And we need to begin to ask, okay, God, what's your thoughts on this situation? To begin to reflect, Lord, Lord what is it that, that you're doing? Like, Lord, how is it that, that, that I need to see this situation from your perspective? But not only doing that, but also evaluating our current mindset in comparison to Jesus. Do you, do you want to know a fun little thing? Think about how you're managing your context and begin to think, okay, how would Jesus, how would Jesus move through my context? And to evaluate. Some of you know this past Thursday, it was Thursday, I had a birthday. I am 52 years young. I am at the place where my my, uh, what is it, my, my brain is writing checks my body can't cash, but I'm having fun doing it. So I'll go out, I'll play some football today. Um, so one of the things that we've been doing uh, a little bit of January and, and February here is um, uh, because of homeschooling and stuff like that, I have the opportunity to teach my son how to ski. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. I actually love to ski. And so I've been going out with him, and, and so it was the day before my birthday, which was Wednesday, that I was out skiing. And um, we, we ski with a bunch of people, and so Matt was with another kid going up the chairlift. And that was you, Jake. Jake's my ski buddy. And uh, I'm sitting in my own chairlift going up. And I got to tell you that, that as, as I thought, okay, look, I'm... Ter- I'm I'm making another trip around the planet. I mean, around the sun. We've got around one more time. And it was an opportunity for me just to begin to think about God's graciousness and faithfulness in what he's brought me through and where he's brought me to. It was an opportunity as well as I'm going up this chairlift a number of different times by myself, going, oh my goodness, there's still so much area in my life that I need God's grace to transform me. There are places in my thinking 
in the way I perceive the world, that I need, I need God's grace to change. And, and, and I, and I want to challenge you because, you know what, as we go through this journey, if we are not, if we are not reflective about our own mindset, we often don't change. And I know there's a frustration that sometimes we feel because we want the change, but we're not willing to go through the change of mindset. And sometimes we'll change circumstances, thinking that will change the thing. But what's needed is a change of mindset. When you say, God, help me understand your perspective, and Lord, I need to begin to bring into comparison what is my perspective, my mindset in relation to yours, so that we can actually begin to make the change God wants. You see, I think reflection is really about prayerful conversation. Saying, God, would you help me understand? Search me, oh God. Know my heart, know my mind. Not only that, part of changing our mindset, spending time with Jesus, developing a discipline of reflection, but also inviting feedback. Our mindset is actually evidenced by, not by our beliefs, but actually by our behaviors. You can actually tell what people uh, really believe by what they're doing and not just what they're saying. Can I get a witness on this one? Um, you may not realize this, but you may have blind spots. I'll say it this way, you have blind spots. How many recognize you got blind spots? Things you don't see about you. And we all have those areas in our life, patterns of thought that limit our capacity and our, and our potential. And what we need to do is, you know, we, we, need to, we need to allow people to speak to our lives and to help understand what mindset is being manifest to those around us. Now, this is ridiculously hard because we can become very defensive. Anybody here have times where you get a little defensive? I'll raise my hand. I know some of you do because I know who you are. It's your personality part of it, but a defensiveness. Proverbs 24.6 is one of those wisdom sayings that I think we need, to, we need to embrace, and that is this. You ready for the, this is what it says. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. How many think that sounds wise? How many want to live that wisdom no, why? Because it begins with the word wounds. So part of the cultural context we're a part of um, is a resistant to th resistance to things that hurt or might cause hurt. So we essentially bubble wrap children, right, to send them out because we don't want them to be hurt. We, 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 there are places on college campuses which just totally like blows my mind where they're like, we're, we're going to create a safe place where you don't have to listen to or hear a difficult thing because you know what? We don't want you to hurt. Okay. And, and you know what it actually does? I believe this is me. I think it actually infantile, infil, infil, infantilizes. I'll make up a word. People. I think there's a difference between experiencing hurt and being harmed. And not everything that hurts 
harms. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. And I think this is a really interesting psalm, to, I mean, proverb to think around because sometimes there are people in our life who love us. They say things to us and we're just like going, I'm done with them. We write them off. Rather than recognizing that, you know what, sometimes what we need in our life are people who love us enough to say the difficult thing. And we don't always recognize how our mindset is hijacking the divine purpose God has for us. And he brings people into our lives who care for us enough to say, you know what, your pattern of thought on this is not helpful and it's not good. And they share it with you not because they think you're a terrible, unredeemable human, but because they recognize, you know, sometimes we need to hear the difficult thing so that our mindset can be changed. And, and, I, and I think that if we're going to change our mindset, we, we need to spend time with Jesus, develop a discipline of reflection, but also invite feedback. Lastly, I would say this, we need to also follow Jesus' example. Sometimes changing our mindset involves following before discovering. As we do things Jesus did, even if we don't feel like doing it, it provides an opportunity for growth to happen. Now, all of you are parents, or a bunch of you are parents. You know this, kids, right? You're like, you need to brush your teeth. And they're like, I don't want to. Why not? Well, it's not fun. I don't care whether it's fun or not. Brush your teeth because it's good. doesn't matter if you like it. How many know there's lots of things in life? It doesn't matter whether you like it or not. Doing it is just the good thing to do. And that's kind of what obedience is like. That obedience is this invitation to do things, sometimes that are difficult, and even things we don't like simply because this is what God has called us to do. The problem is that sometimes our faith is very childish rather than childlike, in that we're like, I'll only do the thing that I want to do. Yet in the doing of the thing, whether we like it or not, there, there's a good that's begun, that begins to work in us and actually works to begin to change our mindset. Let me give you an example. So I, I, I told you how Jesus models for us what love looks like, even love of an enemy. Now, I won't ask here, but I'm, I'm guessing there may be someone in your life that, that you consider an enemy or someone who's, who's an outside your group kind of thing, maybe someone who's hurt you, someone who's, who's, who's done things that have caused pain to you, and you're like, I am done with them. And Jesus says, I, I, I want you to know what you need to do is you need to love your enemy, you need to pray for those who persecute you, and his demonstration is this. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. This is what I've learned about this idea of obedience, especially in the area of forgiveness. We often don't feel like forgiving because it hurt, because of the harm. Yet there's something that happens as we say, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to follow your example 
And whether they say sorry to me or not, whether they apologize for what they've done or not, I am choosing to forgive. And when you begin to live out that forgiveness, whether you feel like it or not, as you, as you choose and you embrace that path of forgiveness, all of a sudden you'll find that it's going to begin to change the way you think. Because what's being placed into you is a grace that comes through following in obedience. And, and I think this is such an important thing because God is like, listen, I love you as you are, but I'm not content to leave you as you are. There's a change, there's a transformation that's needed. And part of that is changing your mindset. You have heard it said, but I tell you. It's not just what we've known, it's what He's saying. You see, Jesus challenges our mindset to change the trajectory of our lives. I want to invite the worship team to come up. Remember, Jesus challenges the status quo. I want you to know Jesus wants to wrestle with your mindset. That there are aspects in your perception of reality that is limiting and hindering God's purpose in your life. And he wants to challenge the status quo. Additionally, he points you toward a higher goal, to, to something that's higher and something that is greater and models for us a better way. Like I said, change is hard. Changing a mindset is really hard. And this is my hard question at the end. Here's my hard question. Will you allow the grace of God to change your stubbornness? See, the stubborn mindset says, I know it. This is the way it's supposed to be. This is the way it's going to be. And your stubbornness to the mindset that you have is robbing you of the grace that God wants to pour out on your life. He'll still make the sun shine and He'll still make the rain fall. But there's a mindset that has to change for us to enter and to walk into all that God has for us. To think differently. Paul says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. My prayer this morning is that you will allow God to allow our Savior to change your mindset. Don't be so stubborn to hold on to your own way. The writer to the proverb says this, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end only leads to death.
And this is where we have to wrestle with our mindsets. Say, Lord, I need you to change the way I think. May my mindset reflect you. But he, because he's come that we might have life. And the thing that he challenges us to do is not for our harm, but for our good. Does it hurt? Yeah. But it's for our good. Paul will tell the church to fix your hearts on things above, not on things of earth. He'll then go on to say this, and this is the part I like. He says, now, not only just set your heart, but set your mind on things above, where Christ is seated. Set your minds on heavenly things. Say, God, change my perspective. May it reflect you. Our Savior has come that we might have life. So, Father, as we bow our heads, we invite you to change our minds, change our mindsets. Lord, I know that there are times that we, we struggle, we wrestle. Not only that, there are times where we just resist. where our stubbornness keeps us from the life you desire for us. So Lord, even now we humble our hearts. And we ask you, God, to do what only you can do. Lord, I thank you for the hope that we have in you. That by your grace, you are changing our story. So, Lord, we look to you. Just while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, how many would just say, you know what? I recognize that my stubbornness is keeping me from God's best. And you would just simply say this morning, God, I need your grace to change the way I think. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? See all those hands. So God, you see our heart. You see our desire. And you see our need. We fix our eyes on you. In Jesus' name.